Welcome to Music and Medicine with Dr. Carl Wern. On the first Sunday of each month at this time, Dr. Wern soothes you with classical music and great ideas for living a more healthful life. Now, here is Music and Medicine with Dr. Wern. Welcome to the July show of Music and Medicine. Just as a little um, commentary, I was a lover of Roman history, and July, of course, is named after Julius Caesar. The, uh, the great Roman general, and later he became the imperatum and, and sort of a dictator. But he was a person who revolutionized the world in many ways. And one of the ways he did this was by establishing a calendar that was different than the lunar calendar that they had that was all confusing to everybody. The lunar calendar measured the amount of times the moon went around the earth. He consulted an Alexandrian astronomer in Egypt called uh, Sojinaris, and Sojinaris put together the calendar we have now, which measures the way the Earth rotates about the Sun. And it's a reliable counter. Obviously, there's a leap year every four years. But Sojourneris revolutionized our calendar and Julius Caesar took the credit for it. And so it's uh, named July, is named after Julius. August is named after his uh, grandnephew Augustus, who succeeded him as the um, uh, emperor of Rome. But now we'll get to uh, summer and summertime. Uh, once again, we'll um, benefit from the wonderful work of Antonio Vivaldi in his Four Seasons. And one of my favorite um, concertos of the Four Seasons is summer. And one of the reasons it's my favorite is that uh, not only is it is a great violin concerto in G minor, but there's an accompanying cello line that sometimes gets very dissonant, and you'll hear it. Listen to the bass line as he accompanies the violin, and sometimes he gets into almost complete dissonance. And so we'll now play with Salvatore Accardo, the violinist, the first two movements of the f Four Seasons Summer, a concerto in G minor.
what a wonderful piece of music that is. Actually, it's my favorite concerto in the Four Seasons. Now we will go and talk about summer. Welcome to summertime and welcome to the heat. We've had a heat wave that's affected 100 million people in the United States. And it was 102 degrees in my car a couple of days ago when I got out of the clinic and I almost roasted like a chicken. And it's now it's hit Europe and there's a heat wave throughout Europe and it's so bad that it's drying up the River Po that was the uh, river that went to Rome at the time of Julius Caesar. And we're going to introduce this problem with heat by playing a pop song called Heat Wave with the Vandellas, Martha and the Vandellas. And I usually have a pop song at the end of the show. This show, we're going to have two pop songs. And I just heard this a few months ago, and I fell in love with this wonderful song that was the second album of Martha and the Vandellas, and it came out in 1963. Here is Heat Wave with Martha and the Vandellas. Isn't that a great song? And now that's going to be an introduction to my discussion of the medical issues on this program. We're going to talk about heat. What is there about heat that affects the human animal? Well, first of all, the human animal doesn't like it when it's too cold or too hot. I'd like to talk about the problems that develop when it's too hot. 
And actually, uh, in the famous uh, heat wave in 1995 in Chicago, over 700 people died. And just a few days ago in Kansas, about three or 4,000 cattle died on the feedlots because it was too hot. First, I'd like to talk about how heat expresses itself in the human condition. First of all, there's the heat that's produced by the sun and everything around us. And then there's the heat that we produce in our metabolism. And just as a, an aside, a lot of the heat that we produce is from our liver. And when you smoke, your liver metabolism goes up two or three times. That's why all young women love to smoke, because they don't gain weight. The minute they stop smoking, they gain weight, just as an aside. But then we'll go to the illnesses that are caused by too much heat. And as an emergency room doctor over 47 years, I not only saw, but myself experienced the consequences of heat illness. First of all, we'll talk about the the most benign heat illness, and that's called heat cramps. And that develops when you um, are exerting yourself, usually in the heat, but it can occasionally occur when you're in cooler temperatures. And what happens is you get spasms, terrible spasms of your large muscle groups. And sometimes this is so incapacitating that you can actually be unable to walk. The treatment for this is to drink salt solutions or solutions like Gatorade that have a good amount of salt in it because they find that the reason the muscle goes into spasm is that there's a low sodium content in the muscles. And one thing, if you don't want to buy Gatorade, you can get a liter of uh, water and put two level teaspoons of salt in it and dissolve that and drink that and you can save yourself seven or eight dollars. Now, I've seen numerous cases of heat cramps in the emergency room and nobody has ever died. However, the next illness we're going to talk about is heat exhaustion. And this is a very interesting disease that usually develops in the very hot weather. And it's due not only to having a, a temperatures high outside, but the person develops temperatures that are high most of the time. Because occasionally, heat exhaustion can present with a low body temperature. And unfortunately, one of my ER doctors examined somebody in one of the heat waves in 1981 in the emergency room. He was a former heroin addict, and he came in with a temperature of 96.7, a low temperature. He gave him some fluids and sent him home. What he didn't know was that tenement did not have any air conditioning, and they found him dead on the floor in the morning, and they found the temperature of his um, tenement to be close to 100. So he was also probably more susceptible to the um, heat because of his uh, previous uh, uh, drug problems. And uh, he died of heat exhaustion because of inadequate circulation. His heart and blood pressure were not sustained properly. I've seen lots of cases of heat exhaustion, people who haven't died, and they're only mild cases. And we can, with IV saline, we can often uh, make these people feel comfortable within 8 to 12 hours. However, I've seen a complication of the treatment of heat exhaustion by sometimes when their temperatures are relatively high, we give them cool saline, and that can sometimes slow the heart. We admitted one person who was seriously ill to the ICU with heat exhaustion, and they gave him a cold uh, normal saline solution, and uh, within half an hour, his heart rate was 30 so we, we have to be aware that sometimes the treatment can be a little dangerous. The last part of heat illness we'll talk about is heat stroke. And we have to remember that in heat exhaustion and heat cramps, thermoregulatory agent in the thalamus is not affected. 
What happens with heat stroke is that you can have such disorganization of the thalamus, which is the temperature-controlling part of the brain, that you can have these high, high temperatures. And people can get to temperatures of 107, 108, and it's often associated with drugs, people who take cocaine or stimulants, antihistamines, the antipsychotic drugs. And I'll tell you a story about a lawyer who had gotten very um, worried because he had taken the bar exam and he wasn't sure if he passed. Getting so anxious, they gave him some Haldol. And he came into the emergency room in Britain, Connecticut in 1984 with a temperature of 107. And it was due to the antipsychotic Haldol. And he almost died. Fortunately, he did survive. They put him in ice and they put an NG tube down and with cold water. And he gradually over over two days, he got better, and he did not suffer the consequences of um, heat stroke. And remember, we call it heat stroke because occasionally in strokes, people who have, older people who have strokes, a high temperature can result when they have a stroke in the thalamus. I can say we all know that the nervous system doesn't function well when you have a high temperature, and that's characterized by seizures that develop in young children with febrile illnesses. And interesting. It's the rise in the temperature that causes the seizure, not the actual temperature itself. Is the quick rise in the temperature will cause the brain to malfunction. But fortunately, we're aware of all the uh, drugs that can cause heat stroke. It includes not only the antipsychotics, antihistamines, and of course, drugs like cocaine, but also includes these new drugs that are used for depression, Prozac, and uh, other drugs like that, because you can get a serotonin syndrome. It's very rare, but you can get high temperatures from these antidepressives very occasionally. As a final recommendation, it's the summertime, and we go out for uh, picnics, and we bring along alcohol. Alcohol should be not used, only should be drank in moderation, because alcohol is a diuretic, can dehydrate you, and dehydration associated with the heat will certainly can cause heat exhaustion and other heat illnesses. Lemonade would be preferable to beer in large amounts on a hot summer day. The next topic is related to heat and uh, the summer is the thunderstorm. And the thunderstorm is due to rising heat and it goes into the cold atmosphere and forms a cloud called the cumulonimbus and it's within this cumulonimbus cloud where differently charged particles collide and cause an electrical discharge called lightning and then there's associated thunder from the lightning and we're going to go to beethoven because in beethoven in his pastoral symphony he has a movement where the thunderstorm is the subject. Beethoven loved to walk in the woods. He loved to go out to the rural areas and he would spend weeks out there walking in the woods. And he had such an incredible mind, he could compose in his head while he was walking through the woods. There's very few people who can compose in the head, not only who can compose in their head, not only did he compose the melodies, but he did the development all in his head. And this was, uh, I read a book about great pianists, and one of the, um, Cherney, one of, the, uh, of his students, he had very few students, but he was a famous composer as well. He remarked how Beethoven could just, everything could be organized from start to finish, just in his head. He didn't have to write down the notes on a piece of paper. 
And it's very unusual because even Chopin, who could compose a little in his head and composed at the piano, actually, Stravinsky composed at the piano. A lot of composers composed at the piano and then they would write down what they had created on the piano. But Beethoven, he could do it in his head. There's only probably two or three composers in history, Mozart and, and Bach, who could do the same thing. But we're going to do this wonderful pastoral symphony that he started in 1802, and then he, he finished in 1808, and it was played for the first time at a four-hour concert where he did the Beethoven Fifth Symphony and the Beethoven Sixth Symphony at the same time. And we're going to hear this wonderful, wonderful, and it's in the fourth movement where we have this wonderful thunderstorm that you can easily imagine as you listen to the music. This is the fourth movement of the Pastoral Symphony by Ludwig von Beethoven. We've just played this wonderful movement about a thunderstorm, and I'd like to offer some clinical observations about lightning. And first to say, if you're hit by lightning, it doesn't kill you like if you touched a, uh, a live wire because it's DC current, and DC current does not cause the heart to stop. AC current does. But actually, you can die from being hit by lightning if it's a large enough thunderbolt so it fries your muscles in your brain. Just one interesting story when I was working as director of the emergency room, three emergency rooms in Pittsburgh, is I got to know Freddie Fu, the famous, famous orthopedic surgeon who just died. He was chairman of the orthopedic group at the University of Pittsburgh Medical 
medical school, and he just died of cancer last year. Wonderful man, incredible work with knees, and uh, it's funny. I just had a patient who uh, had a daughter that Freddie Fu operated on about seven or eight times, not only operated on her knees, but wrote her a recommendation for her college application. But this gentleman was one of the great pioneers in orthopedics in the United States. He died last year, but I heard that three fellows came over from Japan to study with him. And they went out on the golf course, and there was a thunderstorm. And they didn't realize, they thought they would get out of the thunderstorm by going to stand under a tree. And unfortunately, lightning hit the tree. One died, one was seriously injured, and the third never played golf in a thunderstorm ever again. So now, next we'll go to some summer music festivals, because that happens in the summertime. And we're going to go to a summer music festival that I spent in uh, Orono, Maine, one summer, when I was between my second and third year of medical school. It was a very uh, memorable summer. I met my first wife. But I also played some wonderful music, and we're going to play some Beethoven again. And I studied with Arthur Balsam, a fabulous pianist, who was an older gentleman by that time. But we, I studied the Beethoven Trio in C minor with him. We played this at a concert, at a student concert. I'm going to play you the last movement of the Beethoven C minor that I recorded in 1993 with Susan Walters and Mayuki Fukuhara. We're going to hear the fourth movement and last movement of the Beethoven Trio in C minor.
now we're going to play a little Brahms because at this same music festival, I studied with the famous Russian cellist Rhea Garbasova. And if, interestingly enough, she came from Russia. She was very famous in the 40s, 50s, and early 60s all over the world. But she married a cardiologist in Chicago and she settled down with him and had a few children. So she wasn't performing as much when I studied with her. It has a lot of fugal characteristics and it reminds me a little bit of some of the um, works of Johann Sebastian Bach. Now we'll hear the uh, last movement of the sonata in E minor by Johannes Brahms. Thank you. 
for the last major piece on the program, we're going to remember that July is Independence Day. I went to many, many concerts on Independence Day because my first wife played in the Hartford Symphony, and I went to at least 15 or 20 July 4th celebrations in downtown Hartford or the surrounding environs. One of the famous pieces always played at July 4th concert is the 1812 Overture of Peter Ilya Tchaikovsky. It's called 1812 because it celebrates a battle that took place between the French, the Battle of Borodino. It celebrates a battle between the Russians and French, Napoleon. And the Russians actually lost the battle. It was in September 1812. They lost the battle. But when Napoleon came to occupy Moscow, most of the city burned down. And then since it was late September, it took them three or four months to get the army back to Paris. And it was a terribly cold fall and winter. And it was the beginning of the end of Napoleon. Tchaikovsky wrote this piece in 1880. It was played on uh, Russian the day of the battle in 1812. And it became one of his most successful pieces. We're going to now play a recording of once again the Berlin Philharmonic, which performed the Pastoral Symphony conducted by Herbert von Karajan. And Herbert von Karajan was one of the greatest conductors of the 20th century, and he died in the 1980s. The conductor who succeeded him was Claudio Abbado, who was a uh, student of Leonard Bernstein that I actually saw in New York in the 1960s when he was studying with Leonard Bernstein in the Philharmonic. Be Claudio Abbado, who conducts the 1812 Overture, Opus 49 of Peter Iliad Tchaikovsky.
And now we come to uh, the final classical piece on the program, and it's by that famous Brazilian composer, Hector Villalobos, who um, was fabulously successful in the 40s and 50s, and his music was first performed by that famous pianist Arthur Rubinstein many times. And then he uh, came to New York City for a while in the 1940s, and his orchestral music started to be performed a lot. I have an interesting story about Hector Villalobos because when I was in a director of three emergency room in Pittsburgh, I was working out at the freestanding emergency department that we had in Cranberry Township. There, there's a full hospital there. And one of my patients was an older conductor who conducted the um, summertime cruise down the Ohio River into the Mississippi, where he had a college band that would stop along the way and give a band concert in over 60 or 70 cities along the rivers. And this gentleman, who was in his uh, middle 70s, had trained at Juilliard in the 1940s, and he had taken a class with Hector Villalobos, who was actually teaching and studying at Juilliard at that time. And he said he had the amazing ability to go to the blackboard and compose a piece instantaneously writing it on the blackboard. And he watched him do this a half a dozen times, and he was very, very impressed. So now we'll hear the Bacchianus Brasileiris, which was a group of uh, compositions, nine in fact. They're called Bacchianus Brasileiris because they were inspired by Johann Sebastian Bach. They're tinged with Brazilian sentiments and Brazilian melodies. I'm going to play the aria from the most famous of these. It's the Bacchianus Brasilius number five, and it's for a soprano and 12 cellos. And there's a middle movement. The aria is is very famous, and it's been arranged for solo instruments and and piano or guitar. But I'm going to play my version of the Bacchianus Brasilius number five, the aria, because when I play this piece, the middle section I didn't like. I thought that uh, Villa Lobos let me down in the middle section, so I composed my own cadenza. As you listen in the middle of this movement, this is Dr. Carl providing a, a new sort of um, variant to this famous piece. And we're going to play this uh, with my uh, f- accompanist from Connecticut on organ, Carl Wernicello, playing the Bacchianus Brasileiris, aria, the fifth Bacchianus Brasileiris.
Now we'll introduce the last song, which is always the popular song, our program of summer, and it'll be Hot Town, Summer in the Cities, with a loving spoonful that was a big hit in 1966. Hot Town, Summer in the City, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Then down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk harder than a match here. But tonight it's a different world Go out and find a girl Come on, come on and dance all night Despite the heat, it'll be alright And babe, don't you know it's a pity The days can't be like the nights In the summer, in the city In the summer, in the city Cool town, meeting in the city Dressed so fine and looking so pretty Cool cat, looking for a kitty Gonna look in every corner of the city Till I'm wheezing like a bus stop Running up the stairs Gonna meet you on the rooftop But tonight it's a different world Go out and find a girl Come on, come on and dance all night Just like the heat, it'll be alright And babe, don't you know it's a pity The days can't be like the nights In the summer, in the city In the summer, in the city This has been a very satisfying program. Played some of my favorite music, popular as well as classical, and I'd like to uh, look forward to August when once again we'll be visiting the music festivals around the country from Maine to Aspen, Colorado, and play some of the great classical music in the history of time. This is Dr. Carl Wern. See you next time on Music and Medicine. You have been listening to Music and Medicine with Dr. Carl Wern. Join us again at 5 p.m. on the first Sunday of every month right here on WRAX 106.5 FM. If you would like to hear the program again, visit BedfordCountyRadio.com, Facebook, or find it on your favorite podcast, including Spotify, Google, Amazon, or Apple. See you next time on Music and Medicine. Music and Medicine.